Hi, and welcome to the Almost Perfect podcast. I'm Wendy, and I am almost perfect. Well, not quite. If you're a woman who's inundated with the things you need to do and the people you need to do those things for, if you're overwhelmed, or if you think you've started to lose your identity and don't recognise yourself anymore, then you're in the right place. You are beautiful. You are amazing. And you are enough. I'm going to help you see that in true Italian style. So come on in and let's have a chat. Ciao and welcome to this edition of the Almost Perfect podcast. You hear me talk a lot about accepting how you look, uh, especially getting older um, for, for women over, say, 45, 50, not liking what you see when you look in the mirror, generally being quite unkind to ourselves when we pass the shop window and think we look frightful or, or whatever. As it happens, it's not just ordinary people like us, but we are far from ordinary. But it also happens to people like Dame Emma Thompson. So this beautiful actress who is confident, projects a fantastic image out in the, out in the world, also feels sometimes that she's not enough or she's a little ashamed of what she looks like. So this, um, this podcast is actually it's going to feature Dame Emma. Unfortunately, it wasn't me that interviewed her. It was on Women, Women's Hour on Radio 4. Funnily enough, I had actually already recorded a podcast about her new film. But as she appeared in my feed, I thought rather than me tell you about the film and about what her feelings were about herself and, and the subject of the film, which is very, very interesting, I have to say, I thought I would include Emma's interview here so that you could actually hear the words from her and know that it's not just me who um, continually says that we should be more confident in our skin and talk about all the issues that midlife, although I'm not sure I've really liked that word, uh, midlife women face. It's very, very interesting. So I hope you enjoy it. And um, I'll be back again in a couple of weeks with another special guest. Probably not as not as uh, famous as Dame Emma. Who knows? So I'll leave her with you. What a treat for you today. For us all, Dame Emma Thompson is on the programme and we go there. Well, everywhere. Because of her new film, something I will get to in more detail. But in what I suspect will become an iconic scene, at the end of this new film, Emma Thompson, for the first time in her career, and she's 63 stands fully naked in front of the mirror and her character, a retired and widowed religious studies teacher and mother of two, looks quietly pleased. Having started the film looking at herself in the mirror and not liking what she saw, being incredibly awkward and doing that thing that women often do, you know, repositioning her leg, sucking in the tummy, looking on the side and just generally looking worried, it's quite the transformation. And in our conversation, which I recorded yesterday, Emma Thompson talks about whether it is possible to rewire women's brains to like what they see in the mirror, especially when naked. Now, of course, many of you will, but maybe that's changed also over the years or at different points in your life. Let me ask you, how do you feel 
when you look at yourself in the mirror, naked or clothed? Do you even do it? Do you like what you see or, or do you have a different response? Oscar winner Dame Emma Thompson has graced our screens for four decades and as an actor, she's played all kinds of women, from her role as Eleanor Dashwood in Sense and Sensibility to her heartbreaking Karen in Christmas favourite Love Actually. But now she's taking on a very different kind of role. Good luck to you, Leo Grand, tells the story of Nancy Stokes, played by Emma, a 55-year-old widow who has never had an orgasm. After the death of her husband, she decides to do something about it. She decides to hire a significantly younger sex worker, played by the Irish actor Daryl McCormack. You may know him from Peaky Blinders. The film, written by the author and comedian Katie Brand, focuses almost exclusively on these two characters in a hotel room, talking, and other things too, and it features Emma's first ever nude scenes. I began by asking Dame Emma Thompson what drew her to the part. The unbelievable script written by my friend Katie Brand, who sent it to me with one of those, well, I'm not sure, I don't know, anyway, have a read of it. I had you in mind and I read it and just thought it was extraordinary. And Katie had just imagined these meetings from the moment that the first knock on the door happened and um, and written this incredible story, um, mm-hmm. this examination of these two people who slowly uncover one another. Yes, and, and I think at the heart of it is pleasure, female pleasure, and what it can give to you and what it can bring to your life. And, and mm. we still don't really have that. And a lot of women don't prioritise that or feel it's their right to, to want that and have it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was asked recently whether that was a generational thing. But I, I, I think if, whether it is or not, it's, it's persisted through the generations. I mean, I can remember my grandmother or my paternal grandmother saying that she thought she felt sorry for men because they had to have sex they had to do it and that was a sad thing so she had clearly she told me when she was 88 she clearly had never ever had any sexual pleasure of any kind that she had endured it in a sort of what we might term victorian wealth that's a bit unfair because i think some of the victorians had quite a good time but anyway um only the men obviously uh, but um then my mum, who was Presbyterian, I think maybe had only my father was her lover. I think they had a better time mm. because um, it, it just was slightly more acceptable. And also they worked in the theatre. Um, so that was a, it's a, it was a little bit freer and more bohemian. And so that sexual pleasure was not necessarily discussed, but... Uh, sex, homosexuality, different kinds of sexuality were a little bit more on display. Mm. Um, then my generation, I think, were I think we were bullied actually in lots of ways. All I can remember is Cosmo appearing to suggest that if you weren't permanently in a pink state of breathless ecstasy, there was something wrong with you. You know, the orgasm was always on the front of cover of every Cosmo, and I thought, what is? Why is this so important? And then my daughter's generation some of them I think actually have a good deal of leeway and elbow room and and discussion about it and freer mores but not all of them I've I've also had discussions with young friends of my daughter in their 20s that have revealed with in their groups you know lots of women who haven't had orgasms haven't experienced pleasure feel that they have to perform their pleasure 
feel that they can't be honest about whether they've actually enjoyed themselves or not. Think that somehow blokes have got to be taken care of in some way. So you can't offend a chap by suggesting that whatever he's doing isn't much fun. Also, just a little bit to the left. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Well, because I think what's extraordinary about this is it's going to be, as you will have already found out, I'm sure, not uncommon that some women have not had an orgasm, as you've mentioned, whatever age. And the idea of men accepting that and not being uh, able to, of course, there will be some men for various reasons or conditions, but the idea that women, because, of course, you can pleasure yourself, the idea Mm. that women have not reached that point in some way in their lives... It, there's there's a sadness that you display in the film, an anxiety, of course, but a sadness as well. And, um, and of course, you mentioned religion as well there briefly, but, you know, what the message has been around masturbation and women and pleasure, I don't want to spoil anything, but, that, you know, that's a process, shall we say, covered in the film as well. Uh, mm. That That's also something I'm sure you've thought about during this. Of course, of course. We have, for all sorts of peculiar, but, I mean, very powerful cultural reasons, managed to place in many ways beyond the pale one of the only things that's not only free, but really, really good for us, healthy, both emotionally and physically, really good for our bodies. These feelings, um, um, orgasm or pleasure, sexual pleasure of any kind, is actually very, very good for us. And it's, it's peculiar because we are obsessed with other forms of pleasure. I mean, we'll take our pleasure at eating or drinking to the most insane extremes. Um, But we're very loath to discuss, I think, in any real or honest way, and especially with the young and with our children, what what and where sexual pleasure really does reside in the body as well as in the heart and the mind. We don't talk about that. It's been so industrialised in order to you know, sell back to us. Mm. You know, we discover these things and then they're taken away, made into things and then sold back. And I think that's a tragedy and a great loss to us all. And I think it's also the cause of huge difficulties and problems and at the root of a great deal of violence too. Well, another thing to pick up on though, which doesn't seem to be getting any better, is how women feel about their own bodies. And yeah. For those of us who have had the uh, the chance to see the film before it's out and, and see right to the end, there is this scene, which I think will become iconic, of you standing in front of the mirror completely naked after sex, not looking that upset with yourself. You know, it's safe to... You're sort of having a bit of a look at, you know, what your body's done, where it's at. It, there was so much without any words that I could get from that. And I really felt... What a lovely moment. How did it feel doing that? It's so interesting that you should pick up on how she's looking at herself because I thought, how am I going to stand? How would Nancy, how, when she's there, what's she going to do? What's happened to her? Because the one thing she can't do is look at her body in the way that she looked at it before, that is to say with judgment. She's got to be at ease in some way. And I worked out how I wanted to stand, very relaxed with a a knee crooked, like the picture of Eve that Cranach did in um, the Adam and Eve, the beautiful medieval pictures of Eve just standing there with one leg slightly bent, looking very relaxed. I don't think that 
any woman I know stands in front of a mirror, well, they don't by choice anyway, I certainly don't look at myself in the mirror, but if they do, they're constantly tucking or tweaking or it's impossible. But Nancy, through the good offices of this remarkable and compassionate and humane sex worker, Leo, has reached a, a different point. She's looking at her body with a kind of wonder and, and an excitement because she thinks, this is mine now. I could I can feel that pleasure again if I want to. And I don't have to make much of an effort. I don't have to change myself. I don't have to make myself acceptable. I don't even have to find a man or a woman or, or another partner. I can have that pleasure. It's mine now. And she therefore is looking at herself with a, I suppose, a kind of ownership and and, a, and an acceptance that I think is very, very rare. Hmm. Um, when I talk to women, and as I do literally all the time, um, <laughs> and they all say the same thing. No, of course, no, I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like the other. No matter what, what their bodies are like, we're all the same. We are all dissatisfied. And I think that's a waste of our passion, our energy, our time, our money, um, and our purpose in life. Have you found a way, having done that scene now, to you say you don't look at yourself really in the mirror, but to feel differently perhaps or change that? Is it is it something you think you can rewire? No. I think that I was brought up with it from a very early age. I think that the brainwashing started when I was very young. Um, I think that rewiring is a very good way of putting it because I think those neural pathways have been carved far too deeply into my psyche and that they were carved very early. And if you talk to mothers now, they will tell you that most children, female children, sometimes also male children and trans children, that's a different issue probably, but actually it all connects up with not being satisfied with your body and mostly to do with losing weight, with being thin, particularly with girl children. And that's a great, great worry because of all of the great dangers that are out there for Mm. young women um, and the mental health issues surrounding these obsessions and, and the fact that somehow the iconography simply hasn't changed. I know there are some campaigns that are trying to change it, Dove and all of that, and even Victoria's Secret. That, but nonetheless, the iconography hasn't changed enough or for long enough to really affect the young. And it is the young for whom I feel the deepest concern. Mm. I mean, it's too late for me, but I deeply resent the fact that my my attitude to my body and my comfort in my body was taken from me. I mean, I think literally taken away from me when I was very young and I was never able to get it back. And I worked in a profession where I was constantly told that I didn't look right, that I didn't have the right kind of body, that all of the 99% male executives would not be interested anyway Mm. in that way. So, So that will absolutely be persisting. And of course, until we get much more parity in all aspects of production and that will continue to remain the same and in your I mean not in radio so much but certainly in, in television presenting you know the, the issues remain the same well I, I mean and yet here you are in your 60s standing there naked having taken this role having been offered this role written by a woman as you say Casey yeah. Brand and it is it's quite a moment and um, I don't wish to lower the tone maybe it's raising the tone but can we can we just take a moment to talk about pubes Emma Thompson Yes. 
Let's go. Go puke. Because, go on it. On you know, puke. this is the thing. You look at the, the information that seems to be out there. I mean, there are various studies, but, you know, a lot of people, a lot of women get rid of them. Mm. That's what they're also taught to do. You are standing there. Um, I'm sure some people, you know, might zoom in and have a good look around. What's this here? A famous person naked. I didn't do that. But what, what's your view on that? And how, how did you feel kind of preparing to be fully naked? Did you did you change anything? Did you, I don't no, know, go, to, mean, go anywhere? Did I, say, did I shave? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what was, what was the plan? It didn't occur to me to do that. It didn't occur to me to do that. But you're so right. I greatly regret the demise of the full bush. Um, I think it's a great shame. It's just sad, isn't it? And men too. I mean, and that, can you imagine the pain? So I don't know. I mean, I I did once do the full thing years and years and years ago, but really I, I regret it because... Um, never quite grown back to my liking and uh, but that's also getting getting old but the whole thing of 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 the we've got to get rid of all our hair mm. is odd isn't it and um probably not very healthy I'm, i haven't shaved under my arms for a long long time but i do still shave my legs i i've just got into that habit and when they grow back in my hairs I'm not entirely comfortable. And I go, well, that's brainwashing as well. No, no, it it completely is. I mean, there are a lot of taboos, I have to say, in this film. Hearing you talk about the demise of the bush is a personal highlight now of one's career. Um, (laughs) I'm sure we'll prompt many messages from our listeners. I'm Uh, sure it will, yeah. We'll have a whole discussion. I always like to ask them what they're thinking while we're we're talking. Uh, But I did also want to come to something else, which... I uh, I was watching it with my husband and he said, oh, God, when your character said, nothing to do with this act, my son's a bit boring. Yeah. What if you don't end up getting on with your child? This uh, this is an interesting terrain. So nothing to do with the sex or the pleasure. She feels uh, she can be honest with this new person that she's met mm. in her life. Mm. How did you feel about that? Because the taboo of saying what you really think of your child to oh a stranger. Enormous. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest taboos that she the boundaries that she crosses is she says no my children I, I don't know if I'd known she says that she describes them as like a ball and chase but I, if I'd known I, I might not have had them I mean he says what will you have done she says well I don't know but I could have done something else and so revealing her her irritation and her boredom but also her resentment and her jealousy I think that is a very generational thing. And I know mothers of my mother's generation who didn't work and didn't do what they wanted to do because what was expected of them when they got married was to have children. And because women's work was was still very much in the, you really got to want to do this and you've got, and, and, and it will make you somehow unnatural and brutal in, in some way and brutalise your children if you choose work ever over your children that was very much there and I think huge numbers of women suffered greatly and their children suffered as well I know many children Mm. whose mothers should should not have had children should have done what they wanted to do big careers in whatever it could be you know big things that they wanted to do that they couldn't do because it just wasn't done or they didn't have the money you can't look after I mean the aristocracy is a whole other thing nannies here and there so that's a huge number. And Leo reacts very, very powerfully to that. You know, I mean, he finds it 
funny, but he also is, you know, saddened. We we expect mothers somehow to always love and find their children marvellous, but it's not always the case, is it? And that's something we don't talk about very much at all because it's very unpleasant mm. to, to to imagine that one's mother might not love one in the way that you want them to love and, and also might have preferred to do something else. Yes. Well, it, it is a big taboo and it's in there amongst many yeah. other amongst things. Many. Dame Emma Thompson there. And, of course, what prompted that whole conversation is her appearance in a new film, Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, which is in cinemas in the UK from the 17th of June. And that is the end of this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and I'll see you again soon. Ciao.